0: Welcome to the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour, bringing you honest talk, even when it bites. Now on 77 WABC, here are your hosts, Alex Alexanian and Brenda Bush.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's our second week, Brenda, on New York's powerful number one talk station in the country, 77 WABC.
2: Each week, we're going to bring you a new topic, one that's critical to pets. And uh, we hope you'll call us, uh, 800-848-WABC, if you want to have your comments on the air. And uh, today, we're talking about our Disposable Dog Society.
1: All right. I know it's it's 6 a.m., okay? And I know a lot of people out there are just waking up, and they're like, what? Our Disposable Dog Society? What? You know what? That's a little too much philosophy for 6 a.m. Go away. But guys, (laughs) believe me, this is a fascinating – if you love your dog – if you ever loved a dog yeah. or even a cat at that, you have to listen to the show because it really talks about the thing that makes dogs and pets so special. And we have a tremendous guest list coming up. Yeah. And um, and it's going to be a fascinating one hour coming up to discuss. Some to of discussion. our
2: topics are a little theoretical, you know, but if you really care about animals, um, we need we, we need to really think critically about these issues, folks. And so that's what we're hoping to do with uh, the guests that we're bringing you today. So um,
1: Besides that, c- consider us your, like – Third cup of coffee because we wake you up and we stimulate your brain. I need that third cup
2: of coffee right now.
1: (laughs) Anyway, so before we get into our guests, and and we have a tremendous panel coming up, as we said before, a couple of updates. The Missouri Dog Breeding Regulation Initiative. We keep talking about this. We talked about this before the election. We talked about it, how uh, the, the initiative won. This is the Proposition B, it's which it's is it's, called- it's
2: aimed to tackle Missouri's designation as one of the big, uh, the puppy mill capital of America, you know, and people of Missouri are, are tired of it, and... Um, Largely came down to a vote between rural and urban districts. Measure right. passed 51.6 percent. It passed. But it passed. Right. That's it, not a huge passed. majority, and, but it passed. And basically
1: it sets some regulations on dog breeding. That's all right. it does. You know, like you got to feed the dog, you know. You don't have to kiss the dog, but you feed the dog. roof over its head. Right. You know, and you got to put a roof over its head. And uh, you know what? You can't abuse the dog either. So basically stuff like that. And um, so it, it passed. The initiative passed. And Senator Bill Stouffer Officially filed a bill already in the legislature in Missouri that is trying to repeal Proposition B. Yeah. So all we have to say on that one is Mm. Senator. What happened to the will of the people?
2: Yeah, the I
1: people mean, went to the polls and, and they voted. voted, and you're going to o- try to overtake it or repeal it. I mean, what is going
2: on? The voters out there? acted precisely because the legislature failed to stop puppy mill abuses.
1: Exactly, exactly. So I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't even understand how they can overrule these people. The, you know, these legislators. I mean, the the more I look at it, the more it looks like the problem is the government rather than the, the people. people. Yeah. So anyway, and then another little piece came by Reuters uh, today that I've got to read about. This this well, this one just, you know, just was off the charts, So we don't have much time, so I'm going to read this one. Grand Ayatollah Nasser Makarizm Shirazi of Iran issued a fatwa. That's an Islamic religious ruling uh, last week that dogs are unclean and therefore should not be kept as pets. He st- he said, and I Apparently
2: quote, a "Man's best friends too filthy to be kept in Iran." Well, let me let me quote
1: is. Friendship with dogs is a blind imitation of the West. He was quoted as saying, there are lots of people in the West who love their dogs more than their wives and children. So,
2: well, I'm going to take the fifth on that statement. Well, that's really sad.
1: Well, maybe, maybe Grand Ayatollah, that's because they're more loyal than sometimes wives and children are.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You mean our pets are? Yeah,
1: our pets are. Anyway, he's suggesting. So, so anybody.
2: So, wait. Guard dogs and sheep dogs are still considered okay. That's what I read. But anyone who carries dogs in their cars or takes them out in public with them is going to be stopped by the morality police and fined.
1: I mean, come on, let's get serious here. Wow, does Don't that country need more sadness? About?
2: That's terrible. Does
1: that country, does that population need more sadness?
2: I think it needs more friendship from animals.
1: I mean, all the all of the the warmth that we receive from the, the animals that live with us, and anybody that's yeah. lived with a good animal knows what I'm talking about. Okay, I, this is not. Uh, definitional, um, it to be taken away by the state. Again, the state, you know, doing all its crazy nutty stuff, you know, and just not leaving people alone. You know, just think about that. Anyway, so that was not, uh, that was something that we wanted to tell you about. And of course, the Missouri Dog Breeding Initiative, we are watching this one. We're watching this one as the will of the people, yeah. okay? Will it be in the ascendancy or will it be broken again, as we've seen so many times?
2: And we probably should talk about uh, the Michael Vick story again because it's all over uh, the the dog forums everywhere, still? and even in well, even in even in mass media. You know, uh, President Obama called the Eagles coach to thank him for hiring Vick.
1: They're still it, talking about that,
2: and yeah, they really are. Jeez. And I think I think um, the the article that uh, Francis Batista's best friends wrote was getting republished in uh, Philadelphia. Well, we're so. going to talk
1: to Francis later on today, but before we get into all that, we have a, a, a jam packed hour coming up. Our phone lines are open. We're live. 77 WABC, one 848 wabc That's 1-800-848-WABC. And we're going to go to break right now. We're going to come back. Come back with our first with guest. With our first guest, okay? Well, we're back on the air on 77 ABC. Want to call us? 1-800-848-WABC. Today's topic on the Dogs Endangered Radio Hour is our disposable dog society. Now, what exactly do we mean by our disposable dog society? Well, when your cell phone is outmoded, you throw it in the garbage and get a new one. Do we do the same thing with our pets? The law now categorizes a pet as property, no different from this desk I'm sitting on. Now, listen, guys. Anyone with a tiny brain knows something is wrong with that idea, right? A dog is not a desk. Okay? Let's just get that straight. So how do we get such a perverted view of best friends? How do we get to this position where dogs are guests, uh, are, are, desks and we just throw them out, just like we do a cell phone that's outmoded? Well, that's the topic of today. And we have a tremendous panel that's going to talk about this from several yeah, different perspectives. So let's bring on food for your thought. I'm going to bring on the air. Poland Muddy, and Modi. Polin Modi. Let's not Modi. Sorry.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, Poland Modi. <laughs> Modi. He's the action team manager at PETA. Okay, those that don't know, PETA, Brenda, What does PETA stand for?
2: People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals.
1: There we go. Um, uh, Somewhat of an interesting and controversial organization. Let's put Paulin on the line. Paulin, are you there?
3: Yes, I'm here. Thanks for having me. Good morning.
1: My pleasure. Good morning. Morning. Thanks for joining us.
2: Whatever time it is, wherever you are in the country.
3: I'm on the East Coast. Oh, good. Early, but it's okay. It's a little little less
2: painful.
1: So how many no, cups no, of coffee did you have? Yesterday.
2: <laughs> we try to put our West Coast guests later in the hour so they can get that uh, extra twenty minutes of sleep.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like that's going to do much, right? <laughs> so, Paula, let me start this uh, very theoretical question with uh, with a, 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 I guess, a position statement. What exactly is P- uh, Peter's position on dogs as just a piece of property?
3: Uh, I mean, we're against uh, treating any animals like property. Clearly, they're not. They're they have their own families, their own desires, their likes, their dislikes, uh, just like you and I. And I think you know when people are around dogs and cats, they start to start realizing that a little bit easier than they do for let's say chickens, pigs, and cows. Um, but as an organization, PETA definitely believes that animals were not put for here, put here for us to just use in whatever ways we want. Because yeah, they're not property; they're individuals who have their own set of interests.
1: So c- clearly you see it from our side of the street and not the way the law, the law has been treating animals.
3: Right. And we definitely do encourage, you know, um, improvements with the laws to to recognize animals as individuals who, you know, again, who have their own set of interests, their own, um, you know, they do need protection in the same way.
1: Right, right. So let me ask you this question. As civilization, you know, has, has advanced for, what, a thousand years now, okay? we've we, Since the Dark Ages, we've been, since the Renaissance, we've been moving, crawling forward, Okay. Why has the concept this dogs as property not kept paced?
3: Uh, you know, it, it's definitely a good question. I think um, part of it is that, I mean, if you, if you just look at the way people treat each other, it's not always great. I think uh, it definitely takes a little bit of time um, and education, definitely, to get people to realize just how important these issues are. Uh, my role in the action team for PETA is to work with activists and to manage the work that we do with local communities, Um, and so, you know, something as simple as talking about spaying and neutering, for example, a lot of people don't even know what that means. You know, you can talk Mm -hmm. about spaying and neutering all the time. You can have all the leaflets you want about spaying and neutering, but if it doesn't sort of connect with people, to even get them to understand why that's important. But,
1: but Poland I'm talking more about, you know, the simple concept. You know, the, the show is about why do we have this disposable dog society that creates all of these dogs in the shelters Then you know, that makes us have to kill them, basically, because we can't find homes for them. My, right. my issue more is right now, I'm just focusing on this issue of the law that treats a dog equivalent to a piece of property a desk a cell phone you know this this microphone that's staring at me and and mm-hmm. the question you know i'd really like your input on is why is it that the law hasn't caught up with you know in advances in every other areas you know segregation we've moved forward and women's rights we've moved forward and medical we've moved forward why is it that when it comes to animals who live with us the law has just not kept up with it
3: um I would say one of the big reasons right now is that there's a lot of money behind sort of the other side and making sure that, you know, animals are not given equal sort of consideration under the law. You guys were talking about Missouri, Um, you know, like it it should be such a black and white case of making sure animals have, at the very least, have a little bit of space and access to food and water. Um, But even then there's opposition from industries that want to make even more money off of it. So, Uh, then I think that does have an influence in the way that the public perceives the issues, because I do think most people, if you were to go up to anybody on the street and say, you know, what do you think of the concept of animal rights or, you know, giving animals, uh, you know, at least a basic consideration based on their interests, I think most people will will agree that that's a good idea. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then when you start sort of politicizing it and, um, you know, having all these industries put their slant on it, it, it makes it more difficult for the average person to really understand what's going on and how simple the issues really are.
2: And, Poulin, what's what's Peter's position on keeping dogs as pets?
3: Um, we believe that, you know, there are about eight, 6 to 8 million dogs and cats abandoned every year. Three or 4 million are euthanized in shelters, um, and about a quarter of those um, are purebred. And so we, we feel like there are clearly so many animals who need good homes. Myself, I have two adopted cats. And uh, we we want everybody who has a good home to to definitely adopt at least a couple animals, um, bring them in, and provide them a loving home.
1: Well, that's great, but you know what? Um, this concept of this back to this this dog is property, which I think is at the root of the problem. Also, um, I can abuse my car, you know, but I can't abuse my dog. Yes, he's property. But I can't abuse him, okay? There is some corollaries to that law, right? I mean, I can cut up this desk in front of me, and nobody was going to give me a hard time. If I cut up my dog, I'm going to be, I'm going to have real Michael Vick <laughs> problems, uh, right. legally speaking. So, do you think the only way to stop people from abusing their dogs is to make dog ownership illegal?
3: Um, I don't think it should be illegal. Um, I think that there definitely should be um, a lot of educational programs to make sure that people are really thinking about what animals' needs are. For example, um, one of the, the sort of trickiest things that we do in our local Hampton Roads area is we deliver free um, dog houses and free straw to people who are unwilling to bring their dogs inside. And, you know, cold winter months yesterday, it was snowing here. Um, and it's it's sort of this really tricky dilemma where, obviously, we want people to bring their animals inside because, you know, what the, you don't want to leave a dog chained up outside in the right, cold. Right,
1: right, right, of course um, so. yeah.
3: But but then at the same time we're talking about people who aren't willing to do that. So where do we start that discussion? And we start it by you know at the very least giving them free dog house. And even if they're keeping their dog outside, then say, okay here at least put some hay down, give them a dog house. At the very least do that, and then we you know follow up with them, give them information about you know how you know what their dogs are supposed to eat, um, mm-hmm. how they need clean water, things like that. That I feel like people you know maybe many of your listeners, myself. Mm-hmm would be included at one point in time, you know, we don't really fully understand that um, because that's we're not always around people who uh, have that sort of disconnect between right. what animals' needs are and sort of how how we kind of uh, treat them. And so let, so me, think-
1: let me ask you a last question, then, Paul, and, um, because I'm going to be asking the same question to the other two guests that we have on this panel today. What in people do you think makes them feel morally just in dumping their dogs at a shelter? When the get going gets tough, I mean nobody does that when you know nothing is going on in their all you know in the in the regular life. But when the going gets tough, what in in them makes them feel feel morally just in dumping their dog at a shelter or taking
3: him? Uh, well, I mean I, I definitely don't think it is it is a morally just act. But uh, I think the reasons people feel okay with it uh, one is that they think um, that the animals will just automatically be adopted out they don't really realize how high the rate of euthanasia is right. um, they don't realize that you know like how, how quickly sicknesses spread around shelters for example my cat uh, one of them has an eye infection because of being in a shelter where the you know those right. types of things spread so quickly so I just think people people get animals sort of as an impulse whether it's you know a holiday gift or a birthday gift or whatever the case may be and they they don't view that as sort of the start of a relationship right, right. where you need to take care of this animal for, you know, let's say 10 or 20 years in the future, they think, oh, well, I'm lonely or my child might want this animal or, right. you know, whatever. And they don't really view that. They they basically view that as like another purchase. Yeah. Uh, and then that basically a shelter is then there to sort of take care of the animal right. after the fact that, as we know, that's not you know shelters can't do that and it's not the shelter's fault when all these animals have to be euthanized and luckily there are a lot of you know rescue groups and um, there's a lot of awareness taking place and we definitely commend organizations for doing that but um, at the same time you know, we we do want to be very clear that every single dog or cat who is bred in this country mm-hmm. is a death sentence for an animal in a shelter no and point. we try to make that as clear as possible through our online videos and our leaflets and um, celebrity content and all all the other things we do because we we definitely need to get that message out to people.
1: You got it, Paul, and thank you very much. Thank you very much for joining us at this early hour. We're going to come back from the station break. We're going to come back with Gary Francione, and you've got to listen to what Gary's going to say about this issue. Thank you, Paul, and thank you for the good work you guys do.
2: Welcome back. We're at 77 WABC. If you'd like to call us in our discussion of our disposable dog society, uh, you can call 800-848-WABC. And our next guest is going to be Professor Gary Francione, Rutgers University Professor of Law and Philosophy and author of many essays and books on uh, animal rights theory. And uh, good morning, Professor. Are you with us?
4: I am indeed. Hi, good morning. Good morning.
2: Thank you for joining us.
4: It's my pleasure.
2: So as far as dogs are concerned, uh, some of us treat them as family members and others don't, but however we treat our dogs, they're property as far as the law is concerned, right? So you can Uh regard your dog as a family member and treat him well, and the law is going to protect that decision, Um, or you could treat him not so well, and the law will probably um, uh, protect that decision too, right? So how how did we get here?
4: Well, uh, because animals are property. I mean, all animals are property. And, uh, yes, you have the right to treat your dog the way you wish, just as as, 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 as you have the right to wax your automobile every week, if that's what you want to do, or change the oil on your automobile every 1,000 miles rather than every 3,000 or 5,000 miles. As you can hear, I have a non-human family member (laughs) who who is agreeing with one of our our five rescue dogs. And... um, and so yeah you know i mean I, I we have five rescue dogs we treat them as members of the family if i wanted today uh... to load them in the car and take them to a kill shelter and dump them i could do that uh... if i you know i mean the the problem is animals are property what that means is you have the right to treat your property to 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 treat your property the way you wish whether it's dog property car property computer property or whatever but you also have the right uh... to dispose of your property and you have the right, you know, there are laws that require that we treat our, our dogs uh, and cats and other, other uh, non-human companions humanely, but that actually requires very, very, very little. The, right. actual, mm-hmm. the actual obligations are minimal.
1: Are minimal, yeah. I totally I'm totally with you. So I asked Paul and Modi, who was uh, our guest from PETA just yeah. a minute ago, um, mm-hmm. how come civilization has moved forward so much, and uh, in this area of dogs property we're back in the Neon- neanderthal ages why is that that the law has not kept up in this one area we call them our best friends we live with them we love them we you know we do everything possible with them you know that we can possibly do and still the law sees them as nothing different as you said than my car
4: well um we can we can have an interesting discussion at another time as to whether or not civilizations really move forward all that <laughs> much. that that's a, that that is been for me is an open question uh, uh, yeah, that's but a good but one. um yeah i mean uh, look um. Because animals are property, because they have the legal status as property, um, it it, it, it really can't move, Alice. I mean, it really can't move very far because they're either property or they're not property. It's a binary. It really is a binary situation. And and in 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 order, you know, if if we started um, imposing greater obligations on owners of non human companions. How would that translate? And that would really be a threat. Actually that would be a who's it a threat to e- it would be a, a serious economic threat. How is that to the explain industry, that to me? To the industries that exploit animals for food, for entertainment, for hunting, for all of the other ways. And and, and also it would be a threat. It would be a threat to those people who exploit dogs and 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 who exploit other non-human companions for reasons other than being companions. I mean, wait a second, it.
1: wait, wait, wait. Let me get this straight. You're saying there's entrenched, interested parties that are stopping the movement forward as you know, as dogs are not property. But let me let me put this in. Okay, nobody is killing the dogs for food. Okay, they're they're killing all sorts of other, things. but not not cats and dogs in this country certainly are not killed for food. Cats and dogs are, are used maybe for hunting once in a while, and nobody's Don't use them for that. Um, What exactly is the entrenched opposition when it applies to cats and dogs? And what I'm saying is there should be maybe a middle tier. My car, uh, all other animals, and in between those two, cats and dogs that live with us.
4: Well... First of all, it would be rather difficult to uh, it, 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 it would, as a structural matter, it would be difficult to say a particular form of animal property is going to be treated differently because that would then require that we explicit insti- and, and as an institutional matter recognize that some animals have inherent moral value. Okay, now then, we're going in the right then, direction. That would then be a slippery slope uh, as far as other non uh, other non-human animals are concerned that we exploit for economic reasons. But I to make a more fundamental point when we're talking about dogs for example you're assuming that you know dogs are sort of ubiquitously the you know the, the 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 family pet we love them all blah 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 blah. the average dog in the united states has a home for a couple of years before the animal is dumped at a shelter taken to a veterinarian to be killed
1: well wait a second um, wait, wait, and, let, 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 let back up for a second gary you said the average dog yeah. has a life at at home about a couple of years now sure. is that a real stat or are you just pulling that
4: uh well uh, Alex I generally don't tend to pull stats um the, the, the air, it, you're assuming that dogs have good lives or that they have home lives Think of all—that's—that's that's a small fraction of the dogs right now. While you and I are talking at this ungodly hour of the morning, uh, there are lots of dogs in the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area that are guard dogs that are out there freezing, yeah. defending, or yeah. whatever. Right, or
2: junkyard Bacon. dogs. Right. Bacon. There's a huge. There's a huge divide between people that see their dogs as family members, absolutely, and those that just see them as either functionary, a resource, or toys.
4: Absolutely. I mean, it's it's a small fraction of the dogs that we have in this country are family pets so so Most you know them are used for other purposes those people have entrenched interests they would be upset if, yeah, if you the right. guard dog the guard dog agencies would be very yeah. upset so you <laughs> don't you're think right. you don't you're think right.
2: the public sentiment as as well as service dogs oh yes um, you don't sorry. think public sentiment is there yet for well, wait, for dogs it's to be not considered public
1: sentiment you're talking about well it is what, because what we're talking about it. What are saying is that the number of people that keep their dogs, like we all do, okay, a- including Gary, is a minority. Us, is as a he's minority. Saying. So we oh, don't minority. have the voting power. We don't have the. the well, that's the, what I'm the saying. Public sentiment, the
2: majority of public sentiment is not to the point yet where we can have the kind of change we need to see. Because clearly, if you have. You can't legislate it unless you have most of the public uh, sentiment there, or there's just going to be. People are just no, but let me ask refuse. you this question,
1: Gary. Let me ask you this question. If you were to get. If you and I decided to put a referendum out there in New York State, OK, let's just you and I decided the next election, two years away, a little less, we're going to put a referendum out and we're going to say dogs and cats are no longer property. Simple. They're not property. They're not human. They're not property. They're in, in between something. OK, And we decided to do this kind of thing, try to change the law to a referendum. And what, what do you think that uh, the results would be? What percentage of public do you think would support that?
4: I don't even know what you're asking because I don't I what would that mean? Would that mean that they people would have some obligation to get their dogs treatment if their dog's got cancer? Would it mean that they have to send their dogs to obedience school? Well, no, without that, even what, going what, what, there. What, what, if, what would it mean? What would it mean, though? What would it mean in terms, because, because that's what people would want to know, Alex. They'd want to know how, how is life going to change if I support this? What, what is the law going to say about my treatment of my non human animals? And the answer is I, I have no idea. I mean, I think that's one of the problems when people say to me, well, are you in favor of guardianship status? And I always Mm -hmm. find that a peculiar question, because what what does that mean? I mean, does it mean that uh, how is it going to change? I don't really care whether you call my dog my pet. Uh, whether you call me a guardian, whether you call my dog a widget, whether you call whatever you want to call my dog, the bottom line is do I have the legal right right now at this time to put my dogs in the car, take my dogs to a veterinarian, and say, kill my dogs, or do I have the right to take them to a shelter and dump them and get rid of them? Um, and the an- if the answer to that is yes, then I don't really care what you call them. Um, it doesn't really matter. And, mm-hmm. and so I think that the idea you know, that, that we're going to change their status, change their status to what? I mean, I mean, you know, the, the change their status to property plus. Uh, yeah, property I mean, plus.
2: I think that's what yeah. I think that's what he's suggesting.
4: Yeah, property plus. Yeah. That's well, well, I mean, what, what, well, what I argued, what I argued in my book, Introduction to Animal Rights, was that you can't make, you, you can't take sentient property and make it property plus, or make it, you know, persons minus, or whatever you want to call the category, because the bottom line is. The, their their interests will be evaluated relative to the full persons in the particular society, and in situations of conflict, they will always lose. That's why you had lots of laws. Slaves were regarded as persons mm-hmm. under the law mm-hmm. in race-based slavery in the United States. Nevertheless, every time there was a conflict between a slave and a slave owner, the slave owner always won. The slave owner's interests were always regarded as having less weight than the. Of the slave, and so you know it, it, you can you can talk about in a theoretical sense. You can talk about changing the structure, but first of all, we have to figure out what does that mean, and secondly, we have to confront the fact that it didn't work when we had humans who were property. Mm-hmm. It didn't. Mm-hmm. It didn't work when we had human beings who were property, and well, we wait, tried wait, wait. to make property. What do you mean by flux? it didn't work? It didn't work because there were lots of laws that protected, there were many, there were many, many, many laws that supposedly protected slaves and, and gave them all sorts of legal rights. They were virtually never enforced. Race-based slavery was a hideously... Immoral, inhumane, barbaric institution. Despite the presence of all sorts of laws that made slaves what were in effect slaves, uh, per, uh, uh, property plus. So these sorts of things, you can't. They're either property or they're not property. And 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 if they're property, their interests are always going to lack inherent value. They're always going to be regarded as having right. extrinsic and not intrinsic value. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. And, the, and and the only and yes. Yes, it is true. I have the choice as to how I'm going to treat the dogs that live in my house. But that has a, a positive side in that if I make the choice to to, to treat them in, in good and beneficial ways, that's great. And it also has a negative side in that mm-hmm. the law is going to say, hey, they're your property. Right. It, you, know, you, you can't blowtorch them to death, right. but you can stick them in the car, take them to the vet and say, kill my dogs,' And that's your legal right. You're their owner. Right, right. Well,
2: so, so we so love if, our dog when we so love our So what if dog. we
1: went a step further? Now let's just go from property plus <laughs> to double plus or something. And we just said you have to treat your dog the same as you treat your children.
4: Uh, uh,
2: ex- that
1: would you know.
4: be unworkable. That would be absolutely In a unworkable.
2: practical sense. That means our dogs home alone right now would be a real problem.
4: That's right. I mean, w- w- I mean, that means that you would have to you would have obligations to get. Certain, I mean, I, it would be absolutely. I don't even know what it would mean. I really don't know what it would mean. That you know, I, I mean, does that mean that? Well, gee, you know, my dog, my dog's been coughing. Um, so you know, I have to take my dog to the vet today, and I take my dog to the vet, and I'm told that my dog has some sort of condition, and I have an obligation now to treat my dog, um, and and I can't, I can't take my dog. I mean, I mean, what does, what does that mean? Well, does that um,
1: sound also bad to you? Yeah, you have an obligation to treat your dog. I mean, what it,
4: uh, yes, yes. Does and, that sound and, so know, bad? And, and look and look in a sense in a sense um maybe it would be a good thing in that it would mean that, basically, people would stop uh, owning dogs. I, I actually, Bingo. There, there are very, look, Alex, there are very few things I agree with in, with PETA. Uh, I disagree with PETA on almost everything. And I was listening to the tail end of your interview with, uh, with Mr. Modi, and I don't know whether you got to because I didn't hear the whole thing, but um, I would lo- really like to ask PETA sometimes how it is, uh, as an animal, as a supposedly an animal rights organization, you justify killing 95% of the animals that you take in and quote, "Rescue," end quote, at your at your Norfolk shelter because I think that's unjustifiable. However, um, that's a
2: question a lot of us uh, would like to ask them, and not the show topic for today. But we will definitely. Well, well, yeah, definitely I
4: mean, it certainly it certainly is a show topic. <laughs> we'll have you yeah, back well, for another topic. Uh, well, I, I, Gary, I, I, how do they
1: justify it? Just on a sideline, that is not. I, the I, focus I don't. Know, of the you're going
4: to ask, you're gonna have, have to ask them because I have no idea how they justify. I mean, I think I think that there is a general view amongst animal advocates in the United States reflected in, uh, by. And Peter Singer's philosophical view which goes back to Jeremy Bentham's view in the 19th century that animals don't really have an interest in continuing to live they just have an interest in not suffering they don't care that we use them they care about how we use them Mm -hmm. and that is why you see all of these animal groups supporting happy meat labels and things like that Mm -hmm. because they take the position that as long as the animals are treated well uh, it doesn't really matter that we use them that's an idea that goes back that's that's an idea that goes back actually several thousand years but it's, it's it's the foundation of the Animal welfare movement that emerged in the 19th century in Britain, that it didn't really matter how uh, 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 that we used them, it mattered about how we used them. So, I, I would suspect I don't know, you're going to have to ask them, but I would suspect that it's some variant of them, that, that at some variant of that, that they believe that as long as the animal is killed, quote, humanely, end quote, it's no harm, no foul, because you're not really adversely affecting their interests. Yeah,
2: I'm, I not, I'm not advocating this view, but I kind of think that they look at it as a tragic necessity. So, they'll have I, to come I, back. Well, onto...
4: uh, tragic necessity, I mean, my view is. When you're taking, you know, when, when you're a, uh, an organization taking in that level of donation and have that level of money, um, before you start putting people on airplanes to send them off to go naked rather than, you know, wear fur and, uh, you know, and, and, and hobnob with rock stars and do that sort of stuff, you spend money on an adoption program. You get every healthy animal you can a home. I believe that is a fundamental obligation. Uh, as, as people know from my writings, I think there are two fundamental obligations. If you you consider yourself an animal rights advocate one is you go vegan you stop eating them wearing them using them otherwise consuming them in your individual life and secondly you adopt a homeless non-human as a matter of fact you adopt as many as you can and we're all for um, that and professor and
2: we really appreciate you being with us today we, we could talk to you for hours but we'll have to have you back on another show uh, i just have one, You're one fascinating
1: last, guy Gary. yeah you
2: really are and uh, and we'll we'll definitely have you back uh, on subsequent shows of relevant topics and uh, i have one final question sure. and it goes to the to the issue of the duality that we have going on in this country. Why do you think it is that, that people, society, uh, or seemingly, are so outraged about the Vic dogs and not about the millions of dogs that are dying in shelters?
4: Well, you know, um, it, it, it's first of all, I think that people are very, very good. Human beings are very, very good at segmenting things off and ignoring uh, reality. Um, and I think that most people think because uh, I've, I've actually asked a lot of people the, this very question or variants of the, of the question you've just asked me. And what I generally get from people is I say, well, you know, yeah, it's really sad, but when they're in a shelter, they're not being tortured, and, you know, they're being killed humanely, and, yeah, it's really sad, and blah, 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 blah but they're not being, you know, they're not being tortured. So
2: it's back to the suffering issue. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's
4: back to the suffering issue. I mean, what I find really interesting is, you know, how people who are sitting you know watching the eagles play football while they're eating their hamburgers and hot dogs and they're sort of sitting there chomping down their burgers talking to each other saying boy there's Mike Vick on the field what he did to those dogs was really terrible he's a bad guy while they're eating their hamburgers and hot dogs i think that that's a classic yeah. example of moral schizophrenia and i think I mean, we're going
2: to have to we're going to have to uh, wrap it up and i do apologize cuz we uh, we do want to continue to talk to you but we'll we'll have you back again you've given us lots of food for thought for more show topics that's for sure okay well food for <laughs> For thought. I hope it's vegan food for. Thought. It's vegan, oh, yeah. yeah it is. Thank you professor right, for joining us this morning. Thank you very morning. much, you you much
1: professor. Dr. Soon will be and we will be right back After with this break. one of the founders of now. yeah, we're going to break and we're going to come back with one of the founders of Best Friends Animal Society, great organization.
0: The Dogs in Danger Radio Hour. Honest talk, even when it bites on 77 WABC. Here are your hosts, Alex and Brenda. Hey, we're back
1: on the air on the great station, 77 WABC in the great city of New York, the number one station in the country. And we're going to introduce this. This topic has been a hot one. It's been going all over the place. I think we we
2: need a two-hour format. Yeah,
1: it's been going all over the place. So we're going to bring one of the great intellectuals out there and an eloquent spokesman for the cause and for for his organization, the founder of Best Friends Animal Society. And I'm proud to call a friend, Francis Batista. Francis, are you on?
0: I am, Alex. And Brenda, hi. Congratulations and, uh, on your new show. Good Thank morning. You Thank much.
1: you. Thank you very much. And uh, so what time is it where you are? It's about, well, 4.45, I guess,
0: or something like that. And what time did you wake up? <laughs> <laughs> about uh, 4.25. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're a fast man on your feet.
0: <laughs> I'm
1: impressed, Francis. Uh,
0: so, so have uh, you been
1: listening to this conversation that's been going on?
0: Well, you know, I, I, was, I wasn't was able to tune in on the Internet for Seriously, my internet is down out here in the middle of nowhere, and I have to would have to go do a little uh, searching around to figure out what's wrong. But I just heard the last few minutes of it, but I don't know who was speaking.
2: That was Professor Gary Francione, Rutgers University law professor.
0: Ah, well, author of uh, several books, you know, really uh, interesting and um, fascinating. It perspective relates to our next topic here. Yeah,
2: clearly. So let me
1: ask you the same question I've asked both of our uh, guests: the the in from PETA and Gary Francione from Rutgers. Um, what in people Francis makes them feel morally justified in dumping their dog at a shelter when the going gets tough.
0: Well, I think that's uh you're suggesting that there's that a lot of folks rise to the level of conflict and feel they need for a justification. So, I think that there's a Uh, You're saying that there's not even a a conflict. Well, I think. Well, I think on some people there are. Obviously, a lot of people who who go, you know, think this is, you know, it's it's difficult. It's a a hardship. I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, they're bailing out their lives. We've done a lot of intervention work over the years with people, and often, usually, given the opportunity, um, if you talk to people, explain to people, look, here's what's going to happen. Here's the situation. What would it take for you to keep your dog? How can we help you find uh, another alternative? if if you get into that cycle of decision before they've kind of gone over the hump of having to make that decision, then uh, you can usually help them come to another conclusion. Mm. If you wind up uh, coming into that decision after they've kind of made that choice, then they've already gone through the mental effort and uh, rationalization and justification Mm. that, um, you know, that it's uh, their only option.
1: But and, but they do go through anguish. I mean, just about everybody goes through some level of anguish. Well, it could be- if
0: you hang out at shelters, uh, <clears throat> as I've done, you'll see a mixed bag of things. And a lot of people don't go through anguish. They just, you know, it's uh, some people who, who, well, first, let me let me uh, get back, just back up slightly. You know, we live in a country, there are about 78, 79 million uh, Dogs in homes. Annually, about mm-hmm. seven to eight dogs, seven to eight million dogs, wind up in shelters. Mm-hmm. So that's about ten percent. Ten percent a that. year. But now, some of those are stray. Some of those are lost. Some of those are injured on the street. Some of those are dogs that people who are. Uh, poor and the dog is old and they, they can't take the dog to a vet to be euthanized and they take it to the shelter. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of different th- of those 8 million dogs, not all of them are just people casually dropping them off. Right. So, um, that's a relatively small number compared to you know, we're not, not everybody's just running to the shelter to dump their animals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think that that's a kind of, we, we need to realize that we're talking about a relatively small segment of the dog uh owning population.
1: Well, what, What? there's 95 million households in America. You said there's 79, 75 million, did you say homes? I mean, about that's a, that's what, 80% penetration?
0: Million, uh, have do- not homes, but dogs in homes. Oh, don't. Oh, okay. okay because Some of us I- have so multiple that, dogs. That everybody's flooding in. So just let me get back to my, my thread there, which is that you're, we're talking about a relatively, um, it's not like Gazillions of people, or a very high percentage, the numbers are horrendous, but -hmm. the percentage of people who do this is relatively small. Right, okay. Uh, So, but when you, uh, and of that, the people who are really callous, or who have no thought about it, and, you know, I've met people like that in shelters, people Mm -hmm. who just say, nah, I don't want them, it doesn't work, or she's old. Mm -hmm. Or, uh, well, no, here's a box of kittens. Or whatever it might be, and everybody who 's listening who 's done rescue and hung out in shelters knows that situation and they 've also bumped into people who think well she 's going to find a home mm-hmm. so which leads it's, us to- it's a mixed bag and but when you talk to people and, and if you take that person who thinks she's oh she 's going to find a home, say not likely uh, yeah. look at all these beautiful dogs here, look at your dog you have Five days, um, we need to come up with another solution. You know, was, often uh, they will jump into that.
1: You know what, uh, Francis? Um, to that point, I mean, this is, this is a fascinating little little caveat. Uh, New York ACC, you know, the New York uh, Animal Control Authority in New York City, which is one of the largest in the country, if not the largest, put in place a requirement uh, a couple of years back that each person that turn in their dog was informed by the intake person, you know, that there's an excellent chance that your dog will be euthanized, okay? And they said that right on intake to the person, okay? You know what the reaction to that was? Well, the mayor's office got so many phone calls saying that, how dare you make me feel bad? How dare you? I took my dog in for X, Y, and Z reasons, and this person said this to me, that my dog, there's a good chance that my dog, which is the truth, told me this truth, and it made me feel so bad. And you know what, Mayor, you better change this or I'm not going to vote for you. And guess what happened? From the mayor's office, an order came down to rescind that. And they had to rescind that just telling the person the truth about what's going to happen to your dog. Now, what exactly is wrong with us to the point where, I mean, is it just this, uh, this selfishness that we, we have? Um, in the four million or seven million dogs, that are nine million that are turned in and four million that end up being dead. Um, is it the selfishness that we have that we have to control through maybe legislation? I don't know. Is it something else that I'm missing here, how people are able to do this?
0: Well, I think going back to, to uh, uh, Professor Ancioni's point is that people com- compartmentalize and you know that somebody's made that decision. Uh, And they don't want to, once they make that decision, they don't want that decision to be unmade.
2: So you think the best Uh, opportunity to reach those people is before they've gone over that hurdle?
0: And also just telling them, well, you know, if you can't, they're not giving them any options. You have to give people options. You need to get Mm. involved and, you know, be engaged. Uh, There are, you know, some organizations that hang out at shelters and say, look, um, here's some information. Here are a list of rescues. Here's a list of things. Here's some trainers. What's the problem? Intervention. Right. You know. So, but also, by the way, um, New York isn't anywhere near close to the worst. So, um, in terms of numbers, uh, so in terms of you mean, terms that, of you yeah. mean in, terms in terms of
2: numbers, you mean in terms of killings? Numbers, yeah,
0: yeah. But um, and I'm not suggesting that I'm not I'm not making excuses for anybody when I say mm-hmm. it's a relatively mm-hmm. small percentage of the of that. Population, but the problem is that people, the majority of people, accept this as a solution. That's the big problem. That's the right. big problem. Right. The That's... big problem is that the majority of people turn their back on on the fact that um, this is uh, they accept that as a solution. They accept the sheltering system as exists as now, a solution, even though when you know we did a survey a few years ago, and an overwhelming number of people, like you know. I don't know if it was in the eighty-nine percentile, but it was some level like that. Regard pets as part of the family, and they don't think that pets should be, you know, put down in shelters. Very, very high percentage. And I was hoping to get those uh, numbers before I jumped online, but uh, our internet is down. That was a survey that Best Friends did, a national survey that was published in USA Today.
1: And it was that high, yeah? So,
0: huh? Huge wow. high. That the overwhelming. Um, percentage of the population think that pets are part of the family
1: so it's the kind of Uh, like I know smoking is bad for me but I'm gonna do it anyway because it feels good
0: yeah and also exactly but also people don't want to know it's they don't want to know know. um, you know negative things people don't want to know that you know no no I'd much rather think that my dog has a chance don't sound right though. It doesn't have a chance.
1: So you know these things are, are are inherent in human beings. They come down to you know McDonald's fries and uh, you know they, they're all all over human beings. Mm-hmm. But we've controlled them in some areas. Uh, you know, in really when when the issue was critical, we've controlled them uh, through legislation. What's your feeling? What's your feeling? I mean, is legislation the way to go? Is the path out of this thing legislation, or is it going to be decades and decades of uh, consumer education and you
0: know
2: paradigm shift?
0: Well, I think that, you know, you, in a combination of both, but I think primarily what you need is a, a paradigm shift. Uh, and I think that that's where a lot of this work is going, and there's a very high penetration. I mean, you know, back when I started working in not, when best friends started working in this, uh, the numbers of animals dying in shelters were in 17 to 20 million range. Not that we've kind of, it's not that ex- it's acceptable yeah. where we've got to. It's just that, that there is, huge number of people now working in rescue and a number of, and, and a and a an and even larger percentage of people who are aware of rescue and aware of the issues and support um you know no kill and a no kill philosophy so maybe um, maybe, maybe we'll... they're not sufficiently engaged to to push it um and, you know, the history of our movement in terms of the sheltering movement and animal animal welfare with respect to the shelters is that kind of it's been, you know, you're starting with the old uh, paradigm of public health and rabies control. And that's one of the problems right. we have there right. in New York is that the situation is reg- is handled through the health department. Right. Um, and so the, Lots the, of the, small the systemic changes. Shelters, sorry, go ahead
1: lots of small systemic changes have to be put into place not some well yeah you know, but sweeping it's been nibbled
0: at it's been nibbled at by by activists right. you know it's been changed from below the basic system and the basic sheltering concept and the idea of you know you you, know, you have a dog the dog catcher and you're preventing disease and you're pretending dog bites and all that sort of stuff is still in a lot of places the way this thing that's that's the center of gravity and it's been being nudged by uh, the public but the basic ownership of the idea of animal welfare as the as a public policy and ending killing as a public policy from a top from a top-down perspective as opposed to just being Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um pushed Uh, a bit um, from below is 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 only happened in very few places and that's what really needs to happen
1: you're so right francis you're absolutely right this subject can go on for another two hours it really is and it deserves it i mean we're talking life and death of our best friends um, thank you very much, Francis, from uh, Best Friends Society, for joining us. I'm, I'm sure we'll have you guests. on again. Yeah. We have run out of time, folks. We did not even get a chance to do our dogs in danger sequence. Um, as you know, we have one dog that we advertise every week. It'll
2: be on our. It'll be on our web-